There is a story in the book of Matthew where we hear of a moment when Jesus went through deep suffering. Here's what it says. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. He took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved and agitated. Then he said to them, I am deeply grieved even to death. Remain here and stay awake with me. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me, yet not what I want, but what you want. Then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, So could you not stay awake with me one hour? Stay awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Again, he went away for the second time and prayed, My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. Again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy. So leaving them, uh, again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Are you still sleeping and making your rest? See, the hour is at hand, and the Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Let me explain what's happening in this text. See, Jesus is in Jerusalem, and tensions between him and the religious leaders had hit an all-time high. The religious leaders were trying to stop Jesus' movement, really out of fear. They didn't agree with what Jesus was teaching, and I think many of them truly and honestly believed that Jesus would destroy their way of life. They were terrified of that. So they began doing whatever they could to stop Jesus and his movement. So by this point in the story, one of Jesus' disciples, Judas, uh, Judas Iscariot is what he's known as, had already agreed to turn Jesus into the chief priest in exchange for 30 pieces of silver. And on the night when this is supposed to happen, we're told that Jesus goes to a garden called Gethsemane to pray. Now, Gethsemane is a very interesting place. I had the opportunity to go to the Holy Land a couple of years ago, and I remember feeling this incredible sense of peace when we visited the traditional site of Gethsemane, again, where people believe Jesus prayed on the night that he was arrested and betrayed. So let me just uh, help paint a picture of what this area looks like. So Gethsemane is up on a hill. It's really a mountain called the Mount of Olives, which, uh, to be honest with you, I I know I said it's a mountain, but Uh, Depending where you're from, it'll either look like a really big hill or a very small mountain. Uh, For me, it's more like a really big hill. But anyway, it's up on the mountain on this hill called the Mount of Olives. And if you go down that hill, you get to this place called um, uh, the Kidron Valley, which is just a valley at the bottom of the mountain. And then when you start going back up the mountain on the other side, you you hit up against the wall to the old walls of Jerusalem. So it's uh, Gethsemane. You go down into the Kidron Valley. You go back up the hill, and you enter into Jerusalem. Now, I share all of this because Scripture tells us that on that night, Jesus was in Jerusalem with his disciples, sharing in the Last Supper. From there, he goes down the mountain, across the Kidron Valley, up the other side of the mountain, into Gethsemane, where he stops to pray. Now, remember, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, okay? The valley is down here and the gates to Jerusalem are up here. The, the, the garden, it's important to remember this, the garden and the entrance to the city are pretty much at eyesight from each other. 
right? So, so just remember this. Gethsemane, down to the Kidron Valley, up into the walls of Jerusalem. Now, I, I told you I went a couple years ago to the Holy Land, and I remember standing in the garden, and I turned towards the old walls, and, and I remember clearly being able to see the place where the gates once were through which you would enter into Jerusalem. Now, here's why all of this is important. Scripture tells us that Jesus was very grieved and agitated that night, even to the point of death. The Gospel of Luke, in fact, says that Jesus had so much anguish that day that he was sweating blood. Can you imagine that? Now, this was a very difficult moment for Jesus. And, and, and um, probably one of the most difficult nights, or at least the beginning of one of the most difficult parts of Jesus' life. Now, remember, I've said this again and again and again, and I'm going to say it again. Gethsemane is up on a mountain. You have the Kidron Valley, and then you go up to the gates uh, where you used to enter into Jerusalem. And this is important because it means that while Jesus was praying in the garden, right? I wish this cup would pass from me. I wish this wouldn't happen. While Jesus is praying in the garden, he can probably see the crowds coming out of the gates, coming down into the Kidron Valley and making their way up into the garden. It, it's, it's, it's so important to remember that Jesus not only knows that the crowds are coming, it's very possible that he actually sees the crowds getting closer and closer and closer. And in the middle of all of this, it's so fascinating to me that Jesus uh, doesn't choose to gather weapons or to create an escape plan. Instead, Jesus chooses to pray. He says this, If it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. You see, we see Jesus do this a couple times until eventually the crowds come and they arrest him. Now look, I don't want you to miss this. Jesus is going through a really difficult time in this text. He knows that what is about to happen is going to be difficult, it's going to be painful, it's even going to be heartbreaking. So he prays. God, if this can pass for me, if I can avoid this in any way possible, please let that happen. Yet not what I want, but what you want. In other words, Jesus says, God, I'm going to trust you even if my suffering doesn't go away. Can you imagine going through a difficult time like that, knowing that things are about to get worse and having the will to say, God, I really don't want to go through this. God, I wish you could make it all go away. But you know what, God? I'm going to trust you even if they don't. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine having the will to say those words in the midst of some very difficult moments? James Bryan Smith, the author of The Good and Beautiful God, he says this, in the moment of his deepest suffering, Jesus trusted in his heavenly Father by praying. Can you imagine trusting God in the midst of your deepest suffering and praying? Can you imagine trusting God in the midst of your deepest fear by praying? Can you imagine trusting God in the midst of your deepest anxiety by praying? Maybe even trusting God in the midst of your deepest worry by praying. 
I want to share a story with you. My dad retired a couple months ago, and to be honest, I have really been stressed out about this transition. He didn't really have the opportunity to prepare well for retirement, which means that he didn't retire with lots of money, and he didn't have a paid-off home or even a plan for what he would be doing after retirement, or, or a plan for where he would be living or uh, how we would stay in touch with him in retirement. So this transition has really been tough for our family, and to be honest, it's been really tough for me. I'm really close to my dad. So I remember talking to my dad one day, one of endless conversations, multiple conversations, trying to convince him not to retire, or at least to not retire without a plan. Because like I said, I worried about all those things I told you already, plus, you know, what about his health insurance? Where was he going to be living? Like, I can go on and on and on with a list of worries regarding his retirement. And I'll never forget having this conversation with my dad, and he just, he said to me very calmly, he said, Fernie, I trust that God will be with me and things will work out. I trust that God will be with me and things will work out. Look, let me say this. He was not saying that he didn't have to play a role in making sure everything worked out. My dad understood that he still had to figure out how to sign up for Medicare and Medicaid. He still had to figure out how to pull from his retirement. He still had to figure out where he was going to live and what bills he still wanted to pay, he still had things to figure out on his own. He still had a role to play. But in the midst of an overwhelming list of things that needed to get done, my dad knew and trusted that God was with him and that things would be okay. I want to make sure you hear that. In the midst of an overwhelming list of things that needed to get done, my dad knew and he trusted that God was with him, and that things would be okay. See, the reason Jesus chooses to pray during the moment of his deepest suffering is because Jesus knows that he can trust God. And I think that's what my dad was saying to me that day, too. Fernie, it's going to be okay because I know that I can trust God. And Jesus does the same thing in the garden, right? Right? In the moment of his deepest suffering, Jesus knows that he can trust God. You see, the pain and the suffering that Jesus was about to experience, they don't go away. Jesus goes through a really difficult time after he gets arrested. Jesus still experiences pain and suffering and anguish. Like, like all of these things still happen. But at least we get the sense this is what James Bryan Smith would argue, that at least we get the sense that those things become bearable because Jesus knows and he trusts that he is not experiencing these things on his own. See, Jesus knows that God is by his side. Jesus knows that God is for him. Jesus knows that he can trust God in the face of deep suffering. You see, I think... That's the God that Jesus wants us to know. A God who we can trust through everything, even moments of deep suffering. Friends, Jesus trusts God in the Garden of Gethsemane as the crowds are coming to arrest him. The challenge for you and I today is can we trust God as much as Jesus does? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, I give you thanks for who you are. 
God, you are a God who we can trust. You are trustworthy. And as we read through the story of the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus reminds us that you are trustworthy. So God, I pray that whatever we're going through today, whatever struggles we may have, whatever life may throw at us, I pray that we may trust you or at least learn to trust you. Because God, the suffering and the pain and the worry, we know they, they just don't go away sometimes. But even when they don't, you are always there. God, we give you thanks. And we pray this in your most precious and most glorious name. Amen. And I want to thank you so much for joining us. And I want to invite you at this time, if you want to go deeper into this conversation, uh, there's two things you can do. First, our, our, this whole sermon series is based on a book by James Bryan Smith. I quoted a couple, uh, him a couple times. Uh, a book called The Good and Beautiful God. And I want to encourage you, if you want to read it, go buy it. It's on Amazon. It's a really good book. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we're not going to cover. You'll, you won't regret buying it and reading it, I promise. The second thing you can do is text the word GROW, G-R-O-W, to the number 225-307-0662. And when you uh, text that, you'll get a link back to a home sheet. And the home sheet is going to include the scripture that we talked about today, the one that I read today. It's going to include some things to think about, some questions to think about, and an action plan as to how you can live this out, how we can uh, learn to trust God throughout the next week. And so there's a couple things you need to know. One, I want to encourage you to download it, to read through it, to work through it. Two, if you're in a small group, this is the curriculum that your small group leaders will be using. So uh, make sure to download it and, and read ahead so that you can be a part of the conversations with your small group this week. And uh, I just, I want you to, to pray as you go through this sheet, as you listen to this message, as you have conversations with people this week. I truly believe that God is trustworthy. And I hope that whatever it is that you're going through, that you may trust God in the midst of it. Listen, I want to thank you so much for joining us. I can't wait to see you next week. And remember, I love you, God loves you, and there's nothing you can do about it.